Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not exist, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen in love, whom having not seen, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. Let us pray. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold thy free spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there is something that is hidden to the eyes of the world, and which is known only to God's children, which overcomes the world, which is more powerful than anything the world has, which is full of more riches than all the minds that this earth can plunder, which is Filled with greater joy, man has not seen and ear has not heard. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. People talk a lot about faith without knowing really what it is. Often they'll talk about religious people as people of faith. Well, that's kind of a misnomer. Everyone has faith. The question is, in what or in whom? The object of your faith, that is, what faith looks to and takes comfort from and relies upon, that is what determines whether the faith is true or not. Everyone has faith. People trust in their money, or people trust in a God who will reward them according to their good works because they're better than others, or people trust in a God who gives them pleasure and they have faith will sustain them in this short life. People in the world have no hope in their faith. They have no hope because everything is uncertain. They accept the testimony of men, but they do not accept the testimony that God has given of his son. Why does the world need to be overcome? Why can't we just be friends with the world? James says, Friendship with the world is enmity, hostility with God. And if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, then whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus prays in his great high priestly prayer in John 17, I pray not that you would take them from the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. And so we are in this world. Why do we need to overcome? 
Because the desires of the world, the desires of the flesh, and the pride of life, all these things are of the world and are passing away. We can see it. What is it that prevents people from believing in Jesus? Isn't it that they would rather live for only this life? And Paul makes this argument. He says, if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not raised, we are still in our sins. If Christ is not raised, then we are of all men most to be pitied. We could have enjoyed our life instead of sacrificing ourselves for Jesus, instead of repenting of the sins that the world says aren't so bad. Why do we need to overcome the world? Because the world is passing away and all of its desires. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. There is one who overcame the world. There is one who overcame the world by doing what the world could not do. And he did it in great humility. And he did it with all of his power and his glory hidden. And he did it with mercy and compassion and desiring your future bliss. We just sang in the beautiful hymn of the church which we didn't get to sing for many weeks. We sang that take us away the sin of the world. We say these words. What does this mean? Why does the world need to overcome? Because the world is full of sin. The world is full of false notions about God. It is just simply assumed in our multicultural and moral, morally relative culture that you can believe whatever you want. That it's not wrong to believe that we evolved from some memorial soup. That it's not wrong to just have different opinions about God, and that's just fine. We all believe the same God anyway. There's nothing wrong with this, according to the common man in American culture. But it's sin, not recognizing the only one who can give life, not calling upon him, praying to him, or believing that he hears, not listening to him. Enjoying the world instead of listening to God and enjoying Him. You look at how many broken families there are. People breaking up marriages, leaving, breaking their vows. How many disobedient children were bought by their parents' largesse, drive around in their fancy cars, and then curse their father and mother and make fun of them behind their back. Or you look at the rebellion that we've seen in the riots of recent years. You look at the murder of the unborn, or of the elderly, and the grudges that are held all throughout the world. You look at the adultery, the fornication, and all of the evil that is on the internet. You look at the theft, rich people getting away or just plundering the poor. You look at I just heard Walmarts are closing in Chicago because there's so much theft. Look at how people don't care about others' reputations. They're concerned. Really, they love to hear bad things about other people. And you look at the discontent, heaping up more and more, trying to get more and more. And Becky and I visited Huntsville because a realtor was carrying us around, showing us all this cool stuff that we could do with our kids, but we couldn't because we have 10 kids, and it's impossible. 
I mean, we have to go into debt to have all the enjoyments and allurements of the world. Why does the world need to be overcome? Because all of its desires are passing away. Because all of its faiths are false and uncertain. And yet they claim, they claim to be certain. They claim to have a stake that are right to your heart and to your mind. Why? Because of sin. And that is why the whole Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is the center of all Christian preaching, the center of the one true faith. Until the world's sin is taken away, including your own, you will not overcome this world that is passing away. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Jesus says, and we're going to actually be preaching on this in a few weeks, in the world you will have tribulation. Fear not, I have overcome the world. So who is it? Jesus who overcomes the world or, or our faith? That's precisely why faith overcomes the world. Because faith clings to Christ. Faith receives the testimony of the gifts. It's an amazing thing. The disciples have heard from the two just heard from the two on the road to Emmaus how they had seen the Lord and recognized him in the breaking of the bread. And Jesus had appeared to Peter himself personally. We don't know how that went. It must have been pretty awesome. And then he appears in the midst of the doors are locked for fear of the Jews. He appears in the midst of them. Just walks right through the door. Not because he's not true man, but because he is true God. And what is the first thing he says to them? What is the first thing he says to those who had left him, abandoned him, denied him? He says, peace. Peace be with you. And then he showed them his hands and the side, and he says, he showed his feet too. He showed the world overcome. He showed, he kept those scars. He didn't have to. He kept those scars from him. And the disciples were glad when they saw when they saw the Lord who had overcome them. And then he breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, even so I send to you. Whose ever sins you forgive, they are forgiven them. And whose ever sins you retain, they are retained. He gives to them the Holy Spirit. Now you have these Pentecostals and others who think that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the apostles in, on Pentecost, that this is the only giving of the Spirit. Or that David had the Holy Spirit in some different way in the Old Testament that other Christians didn't. Jesus says that his Spirit was in them. And Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit right there. And so when Jesus speaks his peace, he gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you the forgiveness of sins. It is as Ezekiel prophesied and breathed to the bones, and they became and they came alive. It is through the living Word of God that the Holy Spirit testifies of what Christ did for you, that He has overcome the world. And this is a very beautiful thing. Who is He who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He is declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. To believe that he is the Son of God is to believe that he is one with the Father, the one whom the Father sent to be our Savior, 
To believe that Jesus is the Son of God is to believe that he who is dead now lives, and lives to speak peace to me and to you and to all of the world. To believe that Jesus is the Son of God is to believe that he has overcome the world, because he bore all of our sin. John says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. He came by water. He was baptized in the Jordan by John. And a voice came from above and said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And again, on the Mount of Transfiguration, this was repeated when he showed his glory to Peter, James, and John. He came by water. And the water was joined to the blood on the cross when they pierced his side and blood and water came. He came by water, baptized and anointed by the Holy Spirit to be the sacrificial lamb for the sin of the world. And he came by blood, and he was beaten, whipped, and crucified, and crowned with thorns and pierced. He came by water and by blood. He came to be our Savior. And he gave up his spirit, and water and blood poured out. This was determined by the Holy Trinity in eternity. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There are three that bear witness in heaven. In Bible class today, I talked about how this passage, there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, is part of the Bible and should be included in it. And it was taken out by Arians who deny that Jesus is the Son of God. But what does this mean? This means that in the eternal counsel of the Trinity, in God himself, this testimony about Christ for you was established. This is the voice and word of the only true God. And this same testimony that came from the bosom of the Father, that came out of the Holy Trinity, is now borne witness to, is now spoken to you on earth. There are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These are the three things that Jesus gave as he died. He gave up his Spirit, which is joined to the Holy Spirit, and the water and the blood came up. And they now bear witness, they now testify on earth, and they agree as one. I stood there, and I said, as a called and ordained servant of the world, in other words, I have been sent by God. As the Father sent me, even so I sent him. I said, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, not mine, I forgive you all your sins. How could I do that? Because the Holy Spirit made me a pastor. And the Holy Spirit gave me the words to speak. And the Holy Spirit tells me. And he commands me to forgive the sins of those who are penitent. There are many who say that a pastor can't forgive sins. But Jesus gave that authority clearly in the Bible to his church. And he commands pastors to forgive sins because that is the peace that has overcome the world. He showed them his hands and his side. He showed them what he did. And on the basis of Christ dying for the sin of the world, I can say, I forgive you all your sins. That is the Spirit. That is the testimony that God has given of his son. That is as sure as, it is more certain. When I speak those words, it is more certain than that the sun will rise tomorrow. It is the certainty of Jesus rising from the dead. If we accept the testimony of men, two or three witnesses, 
testimony of God is greater. Men lie. Men change their opinions. Even the most steadfast and trustworthy man can be found to stumble and to waver. I have seen it. God cannot lie. And he does not lie when he tells you on the basis of Christ's own suffering and death that the sins of the world, sins that you still have in your conscience and in your heart, sins that have hurt you and others, sins that seem more real than life itself sometimes seems, those sins are removed from you as far as the east is for the west, and the words that Jesus speaks to you today in peace. Last Sunday, God, the Holy Trinity, baptized two people, two sinners, our brother Micah and our sister Lydia. There are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree this one. That water still washes you today, Micah and Lydia, and it washes me, and it washes all of you who are baptized and believe in this testimony that God has given to us. It testifies to you. You can stumble. You can fall, but that water still has the testimony of God. It testifies. It bears witness. How can water bear witness? Because the word is with And when you come to this altar and you receive the body and the blood of Jesus, what does that blood say to you? How can blood say anything? Abel's blood cried for vengeance. But Jesus' blood speaks a better word. It says to you what Jesus said to those disciples locked up and frightened, even though he was risen from the dead, peace be. Peace be. They bear witness to me and to you. Faith is not an uncertain thing. It is the substance, Paul says. The substance of things hopeful. It possesses what it believes. When you believe in Jesus, you have Jesus. Let it be to you as you believe. And this faith is not something that is based on the speculation of men. It is not something that is based on people's own hopes and dreams. No, it comes directly from God. It is a mighty work where God, with his word, pierces through doubt, pierces through sin, pierces through the devil's lies, pierces through the sins that have their clutch on you and the world that will lure you away from your only true hope. It pierces through that and it makes you divinely sure God does not lie that if you're going to believe anything in this sad, short life, and believe this joyous news that Jesus Christ is Lord and he has raised him from the dead. God has raised him from the dead. All of the hopes of men of this world do not have the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you ever see the testimony of men, your parents, you believe other people, you believe news reports, you've seen it change. Who knows what to believe now? With all the crazy news everywhere. It becomes uncertain. All the faiths of men are uncertain. But our faith does not come from men. It comes from the testimony of God. As I live, the Lord God says, I do not desire the death of the sinner that he turned from his wicked way. And so we have the witness of God. 
We have this water testifying to you today that the sins that have bound you are unbound because this clothes you with Christ who overcame the sin of the And so this water teaches you to repent again, to turn away from those sins that the world thinks aren't that bad that you know destroy, and to believe that they truly are taken away. And we have to deal with this. We, in the midst of earthly life, we are in the, midst of, in the midst of life, we are in death, as the funeral liturgy says. We see in our own members sin that destroys the world. We see in our own conscience often specific sins, sins of years past that still lay hold of us and try to claim us as their own. We see a world gone mad and luring us with all of its various dying pleasures. We see that old evil foe, that wire, bringing charges against us and having actually evidence for his charges against us. And yet the testimony of God is greater. For behold, the Lamb of God, who is sacrificed for us, takes away the sin of the world. I will never tire of saying that. I will never tire of expecting from God the grace that he promises to poor sinners of every nation, every tribe, every people. It is my confidence while living so that I can say with Paul, for me to live is Jesus and to die is gain. Because this faith that I have, which should not come from my own reason or strength, but from the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, and the testimony that he has given of, his, of God's Son, this faith that I have does everything Jesus does. As we sang last Sunday, he breaks through sin and pain. And so this faith clings to Jesus and I overcome all sin, I overcome all death, I overcome all wrath of God, I overcome the law, I overcome hell, I overcome the devil, I stare death straight in the face and I laugh and I say, who are you? Don't you remember when Jesus rose from the dead, and he is my head, and I am his living member, implanted in him as a branch to the vine. Shall I grieve? Or could the head rise and leave his members dead? No. Too closely am I bound unto him by hope forever. Faith strong hand that rock I found. Grasp it and will leave it now. Even death now cannot part from, from, its, from its Lord trusting heart. What beautiful, beautiful testimony we have. It is such a wonderful Easter. Hannah was telling me the other day about how the world, the world just, the world stinks, okay? Like literally in figures. And the way they do holidays, it's like, it's like with Christmas, it's just a big huge thing, and, you know, tons of candy and parties and presents and all this stuff, and then Christmas comes, and then the next day, which is the second day of Christmas, they got Valentine's Day stuff out at Walmart, and it's over. And meanwhile, we Christians are saying Christmas hymns for 12 days. We have 50 days of Easter, well now we have 43 more days, okay? It's still Easter. I went out and, I went out and got these, uh, not these, that, that other one, those Easter loads of Walmart for half off. I was like, yes, it's still Easter. Because <laughs> I wanted you to smell, I'm sorry if you're allergic, I wanted to be in your nose, I wanted you to feel it, just as you believe it, because what God has done is he has put this testimony into your heart. Into your heart. He has sealed it on you. He has changed you, created in you a clean heart. 
washed in the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies to your spirit that you are a child of God with his word. You believe that. In the midst of doubt, in the midst of a world gone mad, in the midst of pain, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of not knowing much about the future, but you know this. You know that as Jesus rose from the dead, he will raise his own from the dead. He will raise those who believe in him. And you know the way. It is a way through cross and suffering. Jesus is with you in the valley of the shadow of death. You know the way. You hear the Spirit, the water, and the blood testifying to you, showing you the way. It may be narrow, but it is certain. It leads to life of God eternal. Sorrow and time shall flee away, and we will sing forever our alleluias to the testimony that we have received from God the Holy Trinity. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.